Welcome to Awards Radar, the podcast, a weekly discussion of the awards races, Hollywood news, and the films you should have on your radar. Here's your host, Joey Magidson. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Awards Radar podcast, a special one because we have a guest, sort of. We recorded it previously, but it still counts. You'll find out who that is momentarily. But first, uh, let me introduce the people who are here every week. We've got Miles. Something in the way. Mm-hmm. Yes, Miles, you're on mic. Do you guys think there's a possibility that I did that so perfectly that the podcast will not get copyright struck? Uh, We're going to find out. If you guys can't hear this, the answer was yes. Uh, and uh, Steve, you're here as well. I am, and I'm not singing. Mm. I was hoping Steve was going to go, Thursday, October 31st. And like a very gravelly whisper no um, yeah we're talk. we're gonna talk batman in a little bit um we talked about it last week but now everyone's seen it including much of the world considering the box office um and then the uh, special guest that i was teasing which i guess if you click on the podcast you know who it is already but whatever uh mike rianda director of the mitchells versus the machines um you can already hear the interview i did with him on the site but actually that same day right afterwards he was kind enough to uh stay on and then miles joined me uh, steve was charging his batteries I'm, yeah. I'm not sure what he does when he's that's what you call sleep right you you plug in and i wasn't sleeping i had other obligations uh, he was rebooting one of my favorite movies of the year and i had other things to do oh well it was weird how much he hated you when hey, we talked to him it happened like specifically you yeah <laughs> i mean he must be really close with andy samberg uh, i'm, I'm um, used to it yeah samberg, but no mike was just kind enough to to stay on for like over a half hour so uh, you'll hear that conversation at the end of the podcast so we'll wrap up and then you'll hear mike talk to us about the movie and a lot of sort of other random things it was surprisingly close to just having someone on the podcast he was uh miles can attest this he was game for much of my bullshit oh yeah lovely lovely man yes um before we get to those things we do have a couple of questions so let's get those out of the way first in the nicest way possible Ryan's uh, weekly filmaholic face-off this time pits Miles and I against each other. Our best film picks in the decade. All right, we'll see who gets the most points. So oh, nice. In this, in the, in the assumption that we would all pick our own films, basically Steve's the tiebreaker. But as we know, the years change, and uh, sometimes that's not the case. So let's do that. First up, Blue Valentine or The Social Network. Miles, I assume uh, you're sticking with The Social Network. Yeah, I got to go with The Social Network. It's like one of the most important films of the last 20 years, and Blue Valentine is beautifully made, beautifully acted. It's a very good film, but I will literally never watch it again because it's too damn depressing. Fair. Um, this is part of the era where I was really into depressing films. Um, I'm going to stick with Blue Valentine just because I do want to see where Steve goes. Steve, who are you giving the point to? I'm going to give it to Miles with The Social Network. I do appreciate both films. I Actually, I really uh, loved both films, but The Social Network, like Miles said, is one I'll revisit and have revisited more often. Mm-hmm. All right. Fair enough. Miles is up one nothing. Next up, Drive or Hugo? Um... So Hugo was my favorite film of that year. I still maintain it's one of the best uses of 3D I've ever seen in a theater. And I do still love it. But I think maybe with the benefit of hindsight, I think I actually go drive. Cool. 
Steve? Um, I think I've revisited Drive more often. Yeah. 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 Um, I need to give Gosling some love, so let's go with Drive. Hugo, um, mm. I'm, I haven't revisited it, revisited it since the theater, and I'm a little bit nervous. I don't know. I might like it more, uh, but I just for some reason hesitant to do so. Fair enough. I'm gonna. I'm just keeping track, so we'll determine how we how we score. But that was a sweep for Drive, so that would be uh, three to nothing there. All right, next one: Argo or the Cabin in the Woods. Uh, I would go uh, Cabin in the Woods. I actually changed this because at the time, and I had to sort of go back through my archives to see what I even said at the time. My favorite film of that year, um, when I originally posted it, was Flight. Oh, boy. And I do still think Flight is grossly sort of underrated, but I I do acknowledge that it's probably not my favorite of that lineup anymore. Mm. Uh, Cabin in the Woods is just iconic. It's one of the most, you know, I would say out there creative horror films to come out in recent memory. You have artwork uh, in your home that I got you for your wedding. <laughs> Yes, exactly. Of, of the cabin and, in the woods, yeah. And uh, Argo is good, but it's probably on the lower side. If I were ranking Ben Affleck's directorial films, it's I wouldn't put it above The Town or even Gone Baby Gone. Fair. Um, I oddly think it's becoming underrated because it's getting that like, oh, it's one of the bad Best Picture winners, which I feel like is is a gross misjustice to like. Even if you don't love it, it's still like well made and good. I don't think it's As, a bad winner, but it wouldn't have gotten my vote that year. I mean, that's fair. It hit me at just the right time. It's like more of a if you when you as you read these ten, you can sort of tell where I was in my life based on my number one film. It's like Blue Valentine, sad. Drive, kind of happy. Argo, kind of happy. Spoiler: next one's her. Back to being sad. Like there's a uh, there's a there's sort of a Venn diagram you can find of my personal life with these uh, top picks, but. Steve, where are you going with this one? Well, I'm sorry to say, but I do think Argo is a bad Best Picture winner. Uh, oh, you monster. I've never been a fan of it, and I was disappointed to see it win that night. Uh, with that said, it's an okay film, uh, but Cabin in the Woods is a hell of a lot more fun. And Man. definitely one that I would recommend uh, where Argo doesn't even show up on my radar any longer, unless we're doing things mm. like this. Spoiler alert, I think there's only one film on Miles' list that I don't care for. And I would say most of them also made my top ten. So Ooh. it's close with all these. Um, next one, you can go Her or Her. Ah. Yeah, this is uh, one of two where we actually had the same number one. Indeed. So Tough we one. can just move on. I'll go with Her. <laughs> Joey's, yeah. Joey's Her. Yeah, there we go. Sorry, Miles. Um, Rude. Next up, two of the more different films you could be comparing, Interstellar or Selma. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, I think we've talked about it before. I really, really loved Interstellar at the time, but time has not been kind to it. And I have I not think revisited the more, it. Yeah, I, I think I've only seen it twice, but like the more I thought about it, even at the time, the more I was like, well, hold on, that doesn't really add up. Um, and there's a lot to like about it, but Selma for me is just such a powerful sort of 
involving, engrossing film. It's very mm-hmm. non-traditional as far as biopics. Well, I wouldn't even call it a biopic. It's just this important sort of moment in history. Uh, sure. But yeah, I go Selma. Okay. Steve? Uh, yeah, I'll go Selma as well. All right. Next up, we have Spotlight or Spotlight. Ooh. Yeah. The other time we agreed. So we'll move on. Well, I'm going to go with Spotlight, and I'm this time I'm going to side with Miles because I, I I like his argument. <laughs> yeah, his, his argument is beyond reproach, unimpeachable. Um, next up, Hell or High Water, or Arrival. I mean, I've said it before. Arrival is like my favorite film of the last twenty years, so it's not even close. Although I do like Hell or High Water quite a bit. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Hell or High Water is is a great film. I I, uh, I really enjoyed it. But Arrival is one that I, I have watched more often, and I plan to watch again. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and and one that I think I'll share with uh, with my kids when they get a little bit older and want to see something that's uh, got a little more kick to it than say ET. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Next up, another very dissimilar comparison: The Disaster Artist. Or the shape of water. That was your number one of that year. Was the disaster yeah. artist? I felt like it was just like directly made for me. Huh. Uh, no, I mean, what's, what else was my top ten that year? Well, talk, give your thing. I'm just gonna look up what else was that year for me. Yeah. No. Uh, I mean, I like the disaster artist. I maybe I'm too close to the subject matter to, to fully embrace it, but it, it works. Um, what was mine? I don't even remember. The now. shape of water. Oh, shape of water shape oh of no water. shape shape of water is amazing shape of water is one of my favorite uh best picture winners in recent memory it was one of me and my wife's first big date movies it's yeah it's it's beautiful del toro all the way hmm. my 10 that year was the zastros with number one i tanya was number two that's my number one that year yeah stronger was number three the jake jonah movie no one saw the florida project was four Dunkirk was five. Mother was six. Three Billboards was seven. The Hero was eight. A Ghost Story was nine. That would be way higher. Oh, yeah. That would be up. I think I actually moved it up. I think when I did my final top ten, I think I moved it up to three. And The Big Sick was my number ten. With um, Lady Bird number eleven. Out of those ten, I would have guessed I, Tanya to be your number one. I think it was for a while. Because I think I didn't see the Zastros until towards the end of the year. It was a late release. Hmm. Uh, it was funny. The year, I, I feel like the hero was... Ne- I, I saw the hero and the big sick on the same day. And I just remember being like, wow. Well, the big sick was my favorite film of the year for three hours. <laughs> that was a fun day. Um, I imagine you're going uh, Shape of Water, Steve? I don't know. It's a little closer. I mean, yeah, it's it's not. It's not as uh, clear cut. You're a good disaster artist. You can do it. Yeah, you can do I'm, it. I'm, I'm kind of on the fence. I, I appreciate a lot of the shape of water. I did have a, f- a few issues with it, mainly uh, which is odd. Michael Shannon. I thought he was a little over the top mm-hmm. and too uh, yeah. black and white yeah, for my. For you. Come over. Come over to yeah. the dark side. You know what? I'm going to disaster artist. Yeah. Well, I, Miles said yeah. nothing, so his silence uh, spoke yeah. volumes. Spoke volumes. Yeah. Exactly. Next up, A Star is Born or Black Landsman? 
Japan. Wow. Um, Osborne yeah. is a lot. Um, it, it definitely exceeded Which my expectations. Yeah, that was my number one versus your, your number one was okay. my number six. Um, but yeah, Black Klansman was a film that absolutely, you know, hit the nail on the head in terms of what it was trying to do. Um, it's one that I've gone back to and I found it like it's one of those movies where like you're like the kind the shittiest kind of person if it doesn't make your blood boil a little bit um in like a good yeah. way like mm-hmm. it gets you like fired up in the way that like the best spike lee films do yeah yes uh steve yeah black Klansman for me uh i appreciated it more with each viewing and found more to uh you know different parts of it that i appreciated it more i think you know the performances speak for themselves but i think mm-hmm. it, there's more nuance to it and spike lee i think is, is really at the top of his game with that uh, i do yeah. love a star is born but you know head to head i, I have to go black linesman mm. um next up my number three is uh miles's pick versus my number one blinded by the light or parasite That's that's the answer most people give. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I'm going to agree with Parasite because I also did not see Blinded by the Light because I was watching you Parasite both, again. You both have homework. Watch Blinded by the Light. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll keep running and then we'll just uh, yeah, yeah. do a countdown. Also, in all seriousness, both of you watched that movie. I want to watch more movies. I, I'm so damn busy. I'm always out. I'm always like thinking and outputting. I can't uh, take in as much as I'd like to, which sucks. Like, uh, you know, I can watch TV because you can often balance TV and other things. But with, mm-hmm. when it comes to film, I'm like. You have an hour and a half to two hours. It's disrespectful. TV, ah, shit, yeah. I can just rewind and go, oh, wait, what did I miss? And it's it's usually kind of repeated or, or covered. And with a film, though, you miss something. Uh, you, know, you miss anything. It's it, I, I don't feel right. I don't want to do a television either, but what the hell? You got to do yeah. what you got to do. Yep. All right. Cool. <clears throat> Three. One. Two. Uh, Come on ahead. now. All right. Three, two, two one. All right, cool. Um, next up, we have Promising Young Woman or Judas and the Black Messiah. Uh, yeah, now we're getting into territory where we're kind of rehashing stuff that we've gone over in detail on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, Promising Young Woman was a film that really worked for me until it really didn't. And uh, Judas and the Black Messiah worked for me the whole way through. So, Judas. All right. Steve? I'll always lend my support to a promising young woman. Uh, promising young woman. There we go. Excellent, excellent. And then for this year, Red Rocket or Drive My Car? Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's probably too recent for me to do a massive reappraisal of Red Rocket. That said, I've been meaning to tell you, Joey, um, my wife kind of hates you for that movie. Um, like it's literally ruined, ruined donut shops forever for her. Every time we drive past (laughs) one, she makes a little hissing sound. 
Has she seen uh, Tangerine? No. Oh, amazing. You should you should have her do that too. Just really, I'll, I'll tell I'll tell uh, Chris and Sean next time I see them. Yeah. No. It's I, listen. I. It's not my cup of tea, really, either. But I can definitely appreciate the the amazingness that is Simon Rex's performance. But yes. uh, yeah, Drive My Car just absolutely works for me on every level. Fair enough, Steve. Uh, I'm going to go drive my car as well. I uh, rewatched it, and this time in one long sitting, rather than three or four, whatever I had to break it up to last time. Uh, and yeah, that's my that's my vote. Fair enough. I believe that means Miles emerges victorious. So I'm going to uh, double check real quick. If I need to reverse my spotlight to your spotlight, no, it's uh, it's it's fourteen to sixteen. So if you had gone, if you had switched that one, we would have tied. Can I? Can, all right, let's go rewind. I'll edit this in. Well, no, no, it's it's. This I'm just like kidding. I'm kidding. Out, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's well, fine. Good. Uh, good question. An interesting way to rehash sort of things we did a little bit recently, but that's cool. I like that. And we have one other question that will bring us to our next topic. And that is from Kay Flea. And Kay Flea asks, as I pull it up so I don't misquote it. Give me one second. If a sequel is greenlit for the Batman, if... <laughs> what would you like to see in it? Villains, storylines, etc. Which one leads us into talking about Batman? And two is a good tease to make sure uh, Miles does it. That's I have Miles writing an article about villains for the Batman sequel. Oh, yeah. I guess now I'm legally bound to write that article. Yeah, I love having that happen. But yes, let's let's talk about uh, Batman. So, yeah, can, I, would, uh, I would say let's talk about what we'd like to see from a sequel at the end of the discussion after we're sort of in the spoiler segment, because I'd. Exactly. There's a lot that's oh, in the movie call. that would suggest what'll come later that I feel like we should. Yes. Yeah. So before we before we end this and we switch over to the interview, we'll talk about those things. So keep in mind that that's happening. Um, but yeah, let's let's talk about Batman. I've I've already my reviews on the site. I talked about it a little bit last week. I very much uh, I saw it again on Sunday night. I took my girlfriend to see it. Uh, she liked it a lot. Didn't like that we saw it at ten thirty at night. And the movie didn't start on time. That's a that was a big ask. But um, I watched the second time. There were things I liked more the second time. One or two things that I feel like I that initial viewing hit me harder with. But overall, I still maintain it's it's great and like top five for the year for me. Um, but I want Miles and Steve to chime in more because they hadn't seen it at the time, and then we can get into things because I, I do have a thing that I want to talk about that I liked more the second time. But. Um, Steve, go first, because I think Miles has, has a little more passion that he wants to put out for this one. Yeah, I probably, but um, yeah, I went to a 1045 showing on a set on a Friday morning, on Friday the day, well, the day after it opened, whatever the hell it was, and uh, was worried because I had a, a busy night, was exhausted, sat down, drank my uh, Gatorade and prayed I wouldn't fall asleep. And then the, the film started and my heart was racing and it didn't stop throughout the film. Uh, I fell in love with how they painted the picture, the early moments when they established a Batman that truly felt real. Uh, the whole in the darkness, 
You don't know, you know, that bat signal goes up. You don't know if, if you're the one that he's watching, you're the one who's going to be uh, taken down by the Batman. I don't know. It, it hit me deeper than I, than any other Batman ever has. And then once you get into the villains and you get into the whole uh, bit with the Riddler, I thought uh, that was creepy as hell and really, really worked uh, again, in a way that a Batman film it never has. I've had, you know, I think the closest would be probably Ledger, but still, his uh, the Riddler here was just grounded in reality, and I, it, there were some connections to some uh, things going on in my life that uh, really made some of the creepier sides of this character resonate. Um, but overall. I loved the things I was worried about. I actually end up loving. Uh, there's very little I cared. Uh, I did. I didn't care for. Um, the runtime was not an issue for me. And the only thing I thought was they did pack in a lot. It's two hours and fifty some minutes. And there were a few things I'm like, well, maybe they should have made a four hour film. Or could they have cut this here and there? Um, I'm not sure which way I, I I lean out to see it again to to, to decide on that. But um, What's her name? Uh, Zoe Kravitz, I thought was was great. Uh, uh, I wasn't a huge fan of uh, Andy Serkis. I thought he was okay, but he didn't have enough to do. They tried to get to give him uh, enough weight and enough emotional like uh, presence in the film, but in the end, I was like, eh, he could have used another five or ten minutes. And uh, but overall, I really enjoyed it. One definitely top two or three of the year so far. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm with you on most of that stuff. Like I said, I, I'll get into my stuff in a, in a minute. But Miles, the floor is yours. You've seen it more than once as well. Yeah. So when we recorded last week, I had seen the film zero times. Now, uh, one week later, I've seen it three times. And let me tell you, <laughs> I don't just go to see any old three-hour movie three times in one week. <laughs> Just um, S drive my car. I I've still only seen it once. Um, yeah, this film I think is a masterpiece. I love literally everything about it. Um, it's it's what I've always wanted to see from Batman on film. Uh, I love 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 that it really digs into you know the detective side of the character. Yeah, in many ways, feels like overcompensation for how little of that we've gotten in previous films. But like, you know, they pick really good you know sources, both comic wise and film wise, and you can feel all the homages, but it never feels derivative in a way that like Joker often felt. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very much carving out its own identity. Um, I would say it is, like, far and away my favorite Batman film. But what's fascinating is it's the kind of film that you could that it couldn't really exist without the history of that character on film that came before it. You know what I mean? Yeah. This mm-hmm, isn't yeah. the kind of film that could have been done on the first try. You need, you know, to have seen what Burton did with the character and what Nolan did with the character to sort of build up to something like this, because it very much embraces things that worked before while at the same time feeling very unique. Um, I think Robert Pattinson gives the best performance that anyone has ever given in that costume. And which is exacerbated by the fact that he spends, I would say 90% of his screen time in the costume, but you know, the amount of, 
emotion he's able to convey with just his eyes is astonishing. Um, I think the whole cast is great. I don't disagree, Steve, with what you're saying about Andy Serkis. I think out of the main cast, he's sort of the most underserved. Um, you know, I, I could have definitely used some more scenes of him. I would have been happy with more scenes of Colin Farrell or John Turturro. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things where it's such an embarrassment of riches. I think that just kind of speaks to how effective everyone is that you just want to see more of them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. f- with all but one of those characters, I think future films will definitely give us that opportunity. Um, yeah, and even even the ones that you're not going to see in future ones are still packed more, I wouldn't say star-studded, but like, you know, this the movie didn't necessarily need a Peter Sarsgaard, let's say. He's good in the movie, but well, that's just showing it's a quality film, that it has him in that role. Well, that's that's a great example, because, like, mm-hmm. he's only in, like, two scenes, and, like, yeah, yeah like, you could have gotten anyone to play that role, but the fact that you get such a talented character actor like him, you get this really compelling, like, fully realized character within those two scenes that really adds a lot to it and you know same with the the entire cast i mean it in a lot of ways it is a cast of character actors and i think that like there's colin farrell's the closest person to a star but he's in full character actor mode and also completely unrecognizable um but no i i thought it was the closest thing i had to a complaint the first time i watched it was the runtime not even that oh this is too long more just you do feel it but with the second and third viewings, I, f- I somehow felt it less and less, which I thought was interesting, because yeah. you really pick up on how well the story flows. And, like, a two-hour version of this movie would be a rushed mess, I feel like. Like, you need to give all the scenes time to breathe, and you need to let the story sort of unravel. And it's less about, you know, if you're familiar with the Batman mythos and you're familiar with some of these characters and other iterations, you can kind of see some of the reveals coming, but it's less about what they are and it's more about how they affect this version of Gotham and how they impact the characters. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think it's masterfully done. I love the action. The Batmobile chase was a highlight for me. Um, just, you know, the cinematography, that score. Uh, just Score's great. Ev- everything about it just it's going to be tough for the rest of the year to come up with a film that can hit me the way this one did. The one thing about the lost city. Yeah. I'm not holding my breath on that one. Yeah. I figured the one thing you said, the, uh, how it, the fact that there were, were other Batman films before allowed this one to be what it is, which I really liked about it. And it started in year two. And it started in a strange place, and it ended in a kind of strange place for a first film of, you know, whatever this ends up being, uh, a trilogy or a series. And I love that about it, because you didn't have to go in there and say, okay, here we go, page one, chapter one, page one. No, we jumped ahead because we know enough about Batman, and still got to discover some of that as we worked our way in, but not like in the cliff notes, like force fed type way um and i think that allowed us to you know as viewers to explore the character in a new way that those who are not as familiar with the comics and the other uh uh variations of of 
Batman, you know, there's and there's you know how many dozens there are hundreds of comics. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, so, you can have you can have Batman lean in in a number of different directions, and it depends on what your Batman has been, you know, historically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If your Batman was was Burton's Batman, you have an image of the character. If your Batman was Batman the animated series, which I just watched a few episodes ago uh, recently again, God, I love that show. Um, that's a very different Batman. Mm-hmm. You know, same with like if you were a little younger and it was Batman Beyond or something like that, or if you were with the Nolan Batman, like you, you know, we'll skip over the Schumacher ones just because that's a little different. Um, but yeah, I mean, you you sort of have your Batman, and I think this one is a little bit of a lot of them, but also still for anyone who's just coming to Batman, they now have their Batman and it's different than the others, mm-hmm. and it does yeah, and it just I don't think going forward they would ever slip into any other batman like that's what i happened with the keaton you know that the keaton going into Kilmer going into clooney is it didn't retain an, its identity and i think as long as reeves and company you know are on board we're going to kind of like nolan did we're going to get a batman uh fleshed out that we never had have had on screen before and uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, I, I, I loved it just, even if it wasn't a Batman film, I love this film yeah. for what it was. It was, you know, I was, I was just really gripping, uh, gripping filmmaking. It's, it's oddly closer to, and I think Nolan may have wanted to do this, but it never quite came about. You know, like Bruce Wayne slash Batman didn't, like, I wouldn't say he evolved. He got upstage by his villains, but, like, mm-hmm. was a compelling portrait. Um, this reminds me a little bit of kind of what Daniel Craig got to do with Bond. Like, the Bond we meet in Casino Royale, it's the first time he's doing everything. And by the time we, we leave him, sorry guys, in uh, No Time to Die, like, he's kind of been through the things that a James Bond would have been through. You know, having the, the romances, wearing the, the suits, like, getting to do everything. Yeah. And I think so. the interesting thing about this is you might... And I mean, I don't know that this is... This definitely doesn't count as a spoiler, but I think... We're building towards him being, you know, having Bruce Wayne be his alter ego. Mm-hmm. You know, here, he's kind of a mopey recluse. I think some people have kind of, like, mis- not misread it, per se, but, like, oh, he's never been seen. No one sees him. Of course they would assume he's Batman. I don't know that they never see him. I think he's just, he's not a public figure. You know, he's just that billionaire who's was an orphan. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think... We're setting up for, if not in the next movie, the next one. He's going to start coming out as, like, the guy who's out and about and is a lightweight. And that's who you dismiss even more. Because without getting into spoilers yet, um, one of the changes this time was the end of the movie for me. The sort of giant set piece. that uh, The first time, I think a lot of people kind of feel is a little tacked on that first time. Of like, oh, we this movie got bigger. Like, kind of randomly. And and watching it the second time, it felt a little more organic because I think it was important in Batman going from just vengeance, which is what he kind of establishes in that amazing opening sequence, mm-hmm. to um, being a symbol for the city as opposed to a symbol just to strike fear in, in the heart of, like, a guy on the street. Yeah. You know, it, it, it didn't seem to be about help. It wasn't about helping Joe Gotham. You know, it was about punishing joe chill let's say but by the end of this movie it is about helping the people of gotham there's that well there's that character arc that begins which you know if you're telling the whole batman story wouldn't you know probably wouldn't satisfy a lot of people but knowing that they're going back for more 
And if even if they don't, it's it's fine as a standalone. This can be that chapter, but we've never, you know, kind of we've never seen a, a raw a raw Batman. You know, he's just yeah. he's discovering who he is, and we're along for the ride. And I know, like you said, you know, that opening sequence with the, the criminals, I thought truly uh, strike. You know, put the fear as a as yeah, a, he's already there. They yeah. always assume he's in the shadows. Yeah, and he's he's but he's not. You know, he doesn't really have a name or, or an identity. He's just kind of this like he is the shadows. And I thought that was so well done. If if you took any ten minutes of the film out. That uh, that could be a standalone short film, and be you know, in my opinion, be just as well praised as this as a whole. But it's, I, I think, fantastic. Oh, yeah, that would have been. Remember when when Nolan's movies did the IMAX thing, where they would give you that scene? Imagine if we released, oh. you know, when this movie got delayed a year, like if just that opening scene of like him walking through Halloween would have been like just the clip that they put out into the world. That would have been pretty cool. No, I think I think the box office would be even higher. So I think you'd pull yeah. in a lot more people. Yeah, and that's without uh, dynamic Steve, pricing. I think you, <laughs> Steve, I think you make a really good point there. That like, while it does get you very excited for sort of the future of this particular iteration of the franchise, it does also very much work as just a standalone piece. Mm-hmm. Like, if this was all we got, it would still be completely satisfying. I think. But it lays such a, a great groundwork that now I am very excited to see what will and. It hasn't been officially greenlit at time of recording, but like yes, they would be out of their minds not to greenlight a sequel to this. Never mind the two or three HBO Max series that are already in development. Yeah, and and I am interested in seeing sort of both the evolution of Batman and the evolution of Bruce Wayne. I think yes. what's compelling about his growth in this movie is that we're kind of used to seeing perfect Batman. Like, even in Batman Begins, he goes and trains for a bit, he comes back, he has one night where he's kind of sloppy, but then he shows up um, at the warehouse and he's basically fully formed. Yeah. And you you don't really get that gro- that trial and error growth. Like, here even, there's that amazing opening sequence on the subway where he shows up from the darkness and he looks like Michael Myers, or, of all people. Like, he's like he has such an intimidating presence. And he has a really powerful, you know, opening, you know, that sort of barrage of punches from the first trailer. But then the fight starts, and it's like, he does beat them, but, like, he gets hit mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, he's yeah, a lot. you can like, see the scars, yeah. It's very endearing just how much this Batman eats shit. Like, one yeah. of my favorites is uh, the bit where he's escaping from the uh, police department, and he's trying on the wingsuit, and it's clear that this is the first time he's yeah. ever done it, and he's, like, freaking out, and he's, like, he, like he does it, but, like, he is not comfortable, he doesn't know what he's doing. And, and he like, just kind of, like, stumbles man. off at the end of that scene. Yeah. Uh, well, he just, he fucking crashes so hard. Oh, he eats shit so bad. I, in a funnier so, movie, if this so wasn't compelling. if this wasn't a, a very dead serious movie, except for like its few moments of humor, you would definitely have like, you know, if this was a Marvel movie, Stan Lee would be yes. on that corner as he stumbles <laughs> away and be like, "Yep, did something happen to you?" Like it's just it's calling out for that scene in a different movie because he is just like fuck stumbling off to like that didn't go well. It is cool that like you, you he's been doing this for two years, but it's clear that this is the first like step up in competition it's like if you're ever playing like a a video game that has dynamic difficulty and like the first time it ups and you go oh shit this is hard again because i think he got to that point where the the random criminal on the street fears him like he kind of can handle that 
He'll take his, his lumps, but he can handle that. And I mean, even there's that deleted scene that Matt Reeves has talked about that suggests he's even handled like, you know, a quote unquote supervillain. But essentially, there's not a lot that like freaks him out now, but there's a lot of stuff he hasn't done. You know, like he's breaking out the Batmobile for the first time. Like he's using that that suit to fly away for the first time. Like he's he's putting into practice a lot of like hypotheticals, and and you can tell that it's it's like oh shit, did I get into too much? While also realizing like I you know I'm not gonna stop. Obviously, what I liked after that first fight scene was the guy he just saved is like no, don't hurt me. So even like the the public has no idea who he is. He's just, you know, he's the guy in the shadows. And it's it's great because that means that that kind of defines his relationship with Commissioner Gordon, who yeah. has to stand out and say, you know, so they're I don't know if they're ever going to reveal how much of their much of their past. But, you know, he has to be the, the guy who stands up and says, hey, uh, you know, I, I, I have his back. You know, I, I trust this guy. And, and he you know, has that scene where he has to basically yeah. stop the entire police department from beating him. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, even before that, when he's walking onto the crime scene, you know, it's like, no, he's good, he's good. And everyone's like, yeah. you know, if, if the public's not even not even on your side, which in other superhero films, the public's on the side, but the police or whoever it is don't trust him. That's that's not even the case here. It's like you know, he's there's very few people he's, who even know who he is, which is fantastic. he's also involved in the two of the funniest lines in the movie. One of which is not like a laugh line, but I just loved. But the other one is, is when Batman goes thumb drive and, oh. and Gordon goes, Oh, this guy's hilarious. Um, and then I love when the, uh, I'm, I'm assuming the guy when they're at the station is the new kind of commissioner. They don't really quite put a, a label on who's in charge, but when he's like, I got you on assaulting an officer and he goes, you got me on assaulting three. Um, I love that. That was maybe my favorite, like, kind of witty line of just Batman being like a dick to them because he is kind of a dick yeah and I don't mind oh, yeah. it at all like he's, well, he's even kind of a dick to Alfred he's a dick to everyone what he's I really love this portrayal of Batman as like he's not this iconic hero he's like he's kind of a weirdo and he's kind of like as both Bruce Wayne and Batman he just kind of like he doesn't really know how to talk to people and like his I love the the chemistry with uh, Zoe Kravitz because he's like he's both very confident and also super awkward about her at the same time. It's a very fine line, but it but it absolutely comes across. It almost makes you and, wonder, like, is Batman a virgin? Oh, like, in this version, absolutely. Is this his first girl? Like, is this the first girl he's ever liked? Yeah, because there. Well, like, yeah. In a weird, no, that's he, not has, weird. he has never known the touch of. Yeah, there was a moment yeah. when he was going in for a kiss, kind of, and then it didn't, you know, happen. And then she kind of yeah, pulls back. and he's yeah, like, yeah. "Come on, man." I mean, th- this movie would be longer, but, you know, that notorious deleted scene where he has to run off because he wet his pants after that is uh, maybe for the 4K. You know, that and that Joker scene are right, right there on the cutting room floor. Um, yeah. But, no, I love that they lean into, like, so how not he's fully formed. That's not a sentence, but, you know what I mean? Like, the fact yeah. that they give him room to grow because everyone in this movie is proto-whoever they are. Catwoman's not yeah. Catwoman yet. Mm-hmm. Penguin's not Penguin yet. I mean spoilers but we're we mentioned it and we're getting there and i feel like everyone knows the like pseudo joker cameo is not a joker per se and like it's even matt reeves has talked about the initial way they read they shot all of that was that he already dealt with that guy like he wasn't a big deal like it's just someone who like laughs and has a smile like no one is who they are 
and and I love that that gives room to to grow, and also just room to explore. Like you can mm-hmm. you can kind of do anything you want from here, which kind of gets us finally to Kayfley's question of like what you want to see. It really can be anything. Well, can, can we stop and, real quick before we go into that? I just have a couple of questions, actually, for especially yeah, for someone for who's seen it two and three times. Um, so one real uh, one thing I did want to say real quick is I am excited to see. We've we've always I, I believe we've always had a well defined Bruce Wayne, and this is the first yeah. time we have somebody. He's not even not only is he not Bruce Wayne, he's not a very socially inept uh, person. He's you know he's 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 a uh, I wouldn't say a schlep, but he's... Uh... I mean, even when he's Batman, like when, when Gordon's talking to him, when he's kind of like, I don't know, a lot of these guys seem like they kind of deserved it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, like, I'm looking forward yeah. to seeing that growth and seeing that change. But so when you say that Catwoman's not Catwoman and Penguin's not Penguin, because I liked uh, Colin Farrell. What I didn't care for is I'm like, if you didn't tell me this was a Penguin, I wouldn't have known this was a Penguin. So what yeah. what do you expect to see... You know, kind of in relation to the Kayfleet's question, but what do you expect to see of, of the Penguin in the evolution? Like, how does he become, you know, quote-unquote, the Penguin? I mean, if they're doing... It depends on what they're going with. But if we're going to assume they're going to use some form of a vague comic template and go off in their old direction, which I guess here, there's, there's like a, a small smattering of the Long Halloween. It's not an adaptation of the Long Halloween, but like... There's an essence. But that's so like, the, from a comic standpoint, that in year one are the biggest influences. Yeah, so like if you talk about like, I guess, was it No Man's Land is the one where, where Gotham is like cordoned off in a way? Yeah. That's that's kind of what I guess they're going to do. And yeah, you could see Penguin or Oz, whatever you want to call him, going and making his stab to like either rule a section or just take over as the mob boss. And, and that's one issue. You have your your mob essence and then i would imagine they'll bring in a secondary or it'll be the main villain someone who's either also into the murder aspect if this is going to be a continuing like serial killer type batman problem solver or if they're going to lean into how they're going to find a more grounded version of of the rogues gallery you know because you can figure out a way to do that but also there's plenty more of the guys without superpowers and the women without superpowers they do lean serial killer but if they don't want to go serial killer, they could still figure out ways to do stuff. I just I do hope they they don't just immediately go back to Joker, you know, Scarecrow, Bane, like the three or four that you've all seen before. Even though they yeah. did sort of, I feel like that that Mountain Dew that he shoots himself with at the end is their their backdoor to maybe having a Bane one day. They could do. I mean, what I love about this iteration of Gotham and especially the rogues gallery is that it, it feels like a very big world. Like yeah. I love that. And I guess we're getting into spoilers now. Oh, yeah. um, I love that Riddler survives at the end. Oh yeah. Well, in fact, all the major characters do. And so like the, the, this frustrating thing is Batman has one of the best rogues gallery of any character, but so many of the movies are like the villains are one and done. They show up, mm-hmm. they have their origin story, they have their master plan, and they die all in the space of two hours. And so they have to be larger than life. But here, you can really see the seeds being planted for this sort of gradually evolving sort of roster of characters. So, for example, with Penguin, you know, we know he's getting his HBO Max show. I have a feeling that that's going to sort of cover his growth between, like, the Batman 1 and 2. Yeah. So, like, maybe over the course of that eight episodes or whatever it ends up being, we get to see how he sort of 
you know, takes over from Carmine Falcone and becomes sort of that is closer uh, to the mob boss version of Penguin that we're used wait, to. Wait, hold on. The book of the book of Boba Boba Penguin. What the the book of Oz? Yeah. So this this Penguin show is going to be who's producing it? What's the story? I I, I might have missed this. Yeah, it's it's going to be on HBO Max. I think Matt Reeves is supervising it rather than directly involved in it. But um, I can't remember who's writing it. But like the pilot is already written. So yeah, it's the same world. They're going full steam. It, it is set in the same okay. world. Colin Farrell's confirmed to return. Oh, same with that like, like thing that was supposed to be the Gotham PD show that they they just announced has evolved into uh, like an Arkham, like an Arkham show, an Arkham which is also series. yeah. Which is also a great opportunity to sort of flesh out, like, you know, maybe a character's like the ventriloquist or the Mad Hatter couldn't carry a movie, but they would be great as part of an ensemble cast for like an Arkham Asylum show. Or if they're going so, like, to lean into sort of more serial out. killers. You could do like Well, that's Hush. just the thing. So, yeah, because Hush is a, a character who's been brought up and they do lay the seeds here because um, his father is the, the journalist that uh, Wayne inadvertently yeah. has killed. So you could and there's even like during the Riddler's amazing PowerPoint presentation, Hush shows up on the screen. Mm-hmm. So the ground is definitely laid there. But it would be interesting to see, is it is this going to be a trilogy of serial killer films or are they going to sort of go in a different direction because one idea that i've heard floated that i'm really in favor of is uh matt reeves has talked about like the challenge of finding a way to do a really grounded version of like a mr freeze and that's a character that i would love to see like a i mean because we have the arnold version and it's delightful for reasons that aren't necessarily tied to its quality yeah but it's like a really like serious getting back to like the animated series portrayal of that character where he's kind of tragic and there's yeah. a lot of sort of, you know, pathology there, I think could be really interesting to sort of see how that would be challenged or how that would be adapted. And then the other big one that's been talked about is court of owls, which seems like also it seems really likely. Well, and it definitely follows up on this film's sort of conspiracy about, you know, the corruption that's happening in Gotham. That said, that's such a wide ranging sort of organization that I feel like that works better as like the end of a trilogy rather than the second film. So like in the second film, you know, the DA is gone. So there's room for a Harvey Dent. So you could do like a Harvey Dent. You could do a hush, a Mr. Freeze. Like the door is open for a lot of characters like that. And you know, mm-hmm. they hint at like a Joker Riddler team up. I would love like I'm super jokered out. I don't need another movie where the Joker is the main focus. But if he's like a Hannibal Lecter type character in the background and he's just part of the bigger world rather than like being front and center, I'm totally on board with that. Oh, yeah. Same with Riddler. Like if he kind of has this recurring role kind of similar to what Killian Murphy had in the Nolan trilogy, that could be interesting. Can, can we do I, uh, so, I we, love Pause for one second and do a a countdown. I I might have screwed up my audio. So if we can just do a countdown so I can – I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm okay. Okay. So I'm ready. All right. All right. Three, two, 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 one. All right. So what you're saying is you want the door to swing open to these villains and you want – once the door is open to hear, ice to see you. No, but that's what I'm saying. I want the opposite of that. I want Mr. Freeze, and I want, like, a really compelling Mr. Freeze, not, like, the goofy pun version that we got before. Chill out. That's an ice idea. Yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, too bad you'll also, be frozen. Also, tell tell me, you guys, 
wouldn't be excited about the prospect of seeing Greg Frazier's cinematography tackling, like, wintertime in this Gotham. Oh, yeah. oh, I mean, it should clearly do that. Like, I feel like they did the fall. You know, they did Halloween yeah. into Election Day. Like, it's this is this is a week. <laughs> this is basically a week in the life of Batman. If the next yeah. one is December into Christmas, that would be pretty cool. Um, yeah, no, there's, that's the thing. I mean, as long as <clears throat> I don't know, they have a specific thing I want to see. I'd be into Court of Owls. I'd be into a number of ideas. I just want to see that same ideas or the same way of doing multiple ideas handled again. Like if this is the team that's doing it, I'm, I'm down. So I'm, I'm pretty open-minded. So here, I, um, if you guys have any final Batman thoughts. I have one, them, one question out, including... for you. Yeah, go ahead. So do we know who played the Joker? And that's fine. Yeah, Barry, Barry Keegan. Keegan. Oh, it was. Oh, yeah, yeah. I didn't know that. He's he's credited he's credited as unseen Arkham prisoner. Oh, and he yeah, actually, I think they actually shot a scene of him at the funeral or something like that as a cop, just to throw oh, people really? off. Like just to a, throw. Pe- well, yeah, because he was announced as like Officer Stanley Merkel or something like that. Uh, who and, I think yeah, was they, initially they like Gordon's, to... yeah, Gordon's partner, who becomes maybe Joker in some comic version or oh, something. That's like fantastic. That. Yeah. That's good. Uh, yeah, and he, and he, oh yeah, he he could definitely be in the next one. I don't know that I want him as the lead. Like I said, like he's like Miles said, I'm I'm a little jokered out. I just there's only so many directions you can go. But if he's Hannibal Lecter, like he's serial been killer, really he's been really overexposed in the past few years. <clears throat> like we really peaked with Ledger's version, and then like. You know, everyone feels some kind of way about Joker. I think it's a good performance trapped in a mediocre movie. Um, and then the Jared Leto version, which we somehow had to sit through twice. So, yeah. you know, I'm, ve- I'm very open to if we have to have Joker, leave him in the background, let him fill out the world rather than having to be, you know, the center of attention. Totally. All right. Steve, final thoughts on Batman. What do you want to see in the next one? What are your thoughts there you go. I don't know what I want to see that I haven't discussed. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I'm really I, I like to kind of just turn my brain off and and be ready for whatever happens. I didn't see I didn't watch the trailer. I saw clips of it. So going into it, I only knew kind of the tone, and that's mm-hmm. about it. Um, I I really didn't know much, and I loved I loved that about it. And I, I, like I said, I'm curious to see how I feel the second time around. I think it's going to be. Uh, it, it looks very close to the same uh, reaction I had, but uh, no, I don't really have much. I, you know, I, I'd That's love fair. to see some of the relationships. I, I really did like uh, Kravitz, and I'd love to see that her continue uh, to be a part of it, and not just. And I like that she wasn't just a, a minor character, but they kind of really fleshed her out compared to other, you know, uh, cat women who mm. kind of are just there to be <clears throat> attractive and you know, and have a good costume. So. So there you go. That's what I want to see. More Kravitz. Totally. All right. Actually, actually, real quick, sort of on that uh, same note, because we know that the Penguin show is happening. I would, in that similar vein, I would like to see a Catwoman show. I think it would be great because those characters are sort of prime candidates to sort of flesh out their backstory in between movies mm-hmm. so that the ne- when the Batman 2 starts and you could do, you know, a few months later, you could do a few years later. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, again, infinite possibilities, but I would love to then see that, you know, we don't have to rush into Gordon being commissioner just yet. Like, we have as much time as we need to sort of, you know, let these characters evolve in whatever way they're going to. Totally. <clears throat> Miles, any other final thoughts? Um, 
Uh, I think Steve touched on it briefly, but I do really love this version of Gordon. I think Jeffrey Wright kills mm-hmm. it. And, you know, I, I love that it felt like a proper sort of they felt like partners where so often I mean, Gary Oldman's sort of the big exception to this. But so often Gordon can kind of feel like, you know, the guy in the office sitting by the phone, you know, kind of useless. Like he's a good cop, but he doesn't do much here. He's like boots on the ground with Batman. He's very much involved in everything. And so I think my big thing going forward, and I don't think this team would make this mistake. The worst thing that could happen is you get to the sequel and like now everyone is sort of the full version of who they're expected to be. And suddenly it becomes sort of what we've seen before. I want to see these characters go through more challenges and ordeals and kind of, I, I see the growth stop. Yeah, like I, I think Batman comes to a, a, a really effective realization. I think the way that final sequence, um, you know, where he realizes what he doesn't want to be and what he does want to be is beautifully handled and beautifully communicated. But I don't want that to just be, okay, he's figured it out and now he's good to go. Like we, they'll, and I have no I have complete faith in this creative team, so I'm sure they'll find a way to sort of keep challenging the characters, and it'll make for a really exciting movie. Agreed. Yeah, so I think we can wrap on that. And next up, we have Mike Rianda. So um, we're going to go into that momentarily, but first, uh, everyone say where you can be followed, and uh, pick a scene from the movie that's your favorite, from Batman. So, Miles, you can go first. Uh, well, you can find me on both Twitter and Letterboxd at Miles on Film. That's M-Y-L-E-S on Film. Also, please check out my short films, American Exorcist and Once Upon a Dracula. They're both on YouTube under Aftershock Pictures and Chase Capo, respectively. Um, I mean, every moment was my favorite moment. I love this fucking <laughs> movie. But um, the moment that, like, got me, like, standing, like, sitting up straight and, like, you know hairs on the back of my neck like really prickling like the moment when the batmobile first fires up oh yeah and it sounds less like an engine and more like a beast sort of roaring to life and a dragon yeah exactly just like but then he stalls it i kind of love that (laughs) why i i don't even think he's stalling it i think it's more of just like a sort of lurch forward of just like your move kind of thing which all right maybe I, like absolutely it, he definitely like penguin into action yeah he releases the clutch whether it's intentionally or not like yeah there's I, something I, going on I, well and then the whole chase that throughout i thought was so well shot and just that's the moment i think like the batmobile's never been cooler on screen like we've gotten our tanks and we've gotten our tumblers and the burton one is obviously iconic but this one for me just like like props to everyone who worked on the sound design because it feels like it's like coursing through your you can feel it in your bones like the sound of this thing i've got to go back and see this again i can't wait all right well steve you're up what's your what's your say what you followed and your your favorite from the first viewing you can find me at uh film stork on twitter and letterboxd um you can also listen to uh my other podcast the verse where we just entered the door, and if you don't know what the door is, go and find out because it's just, I think it's pretty damn awesome and a lot of fun. You did a whole episode on the door and the floor, the Jeff Bridges movie. <laughs> Spoilers, man. Spoilers, but yes. Um, Bridges... I have an old for that joke. If you want the green door, that like porn film from the seventies or sixties. Uh, we didn't do that one yet, but maybe maybe right, that's next, coming up next week. Um, and my favorite scene, I think uh, Miles would have stolen it. Uh, 
But, well, I'm going to go with two kind of, well, not even two scenes, but just Paul Dano uh, as a whole. Every time he was on screen, it made me uneasy in a way that I don't usually have in the theater. You're like, just like, uh, it just felt, you felt like you, you seem so real, like you're, you're like you're actually seeing footage of somebody. They, they give you some time so broken. with him breathing, like in that oh, mask. I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, that was an interesting touch. I, I did. I I loved. I hated him, and I loved him because I hated him. But uh, if you want to pick a favorite scene in the inter- interrogation room, Batman and Gordon talking it out, and just seeing their chemistry form, and seeing where this relationship is going to be, and where it's going to grow, I thought was. Uh, you know, just a great uh, a great way to take a character like Miles had said, who is often just sitting behind a desk and saying, "The Batman sent a signal," you know, and yeah. making making him somebody who you know, flushing him out and being a real person. So, and I thought that totally. they, he did a lot. Reeves did a lot of great work with that, with from like Catwoman, all, all the above. I, I think these yeah. were just characters by name. They were suddenly you saw all these characters in a different light and, uh, and more as people who walk the earth fortunately for not sure. for real yeah awesome um and yeah you can follow me at joey maggotson facebook twitter instagram letterbox all that stuff uh Ward's radar is on facebook it's on twitter it's on instagram um and the moment that i'm gonna pick is early on when you see that the sort of narration is him writing in his journal of the gotham project this idea that this is sort of an experiment that he's doing oh yeah and also I do, like, as a moment, the fact that you realize that the way he does detective work is he has the, like, recording contact lenses. I thought that's phenomenal. I'm just, like, every time he looks slowly at something, it's not just deliberate and being, like, moody. He's also, like, making sure his camera can capture it. It was it was fantastic. There's so much about uh, it right. I loved. I really yeah, love that. We'll oh, do- re- real quick plug. I recently wrote a Sunday Scaries article about the horror films that influenced yes. the Batman. If you like horror and you like this movie, give, give that a read. Yes. And then look out for Miles's like potential villains piece uh, soonish. And uh, keep an eye out for me at the Critics' Choice Awards. You're listening to this on Thursday. I'll be on a plane to L.A. Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, sometime on Sunday. Perhaps you'll see me in a tuxedo. And uh, we'll be back next week to talk about the results. We'll probably talk more about Batman, and we'll see where we're at then with the award season because we kind of are at a standstill aside from the Spirit Awards, which don't matter for Oscar. So don't worry about them. They were fine. Cool for Simon Rex. All right. Um, enjoy Mike Rianda, everyone, and then we will see you at the movies. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. Hmm. <laughs> Take care. Awesome. And, yeah, we have uh, we have Mike Rianda here to uh, – Join us because apparently my interview with him went well enough that he's not running screaming. <laughs> I'm 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 back, baby. I loved it. I want more. There we go. Well, famous last words. Um, <laughs> but uh, I want Miles to chime in because he didn't uh, do the interview. I did, but just quickly, I'm curious. Once you get into award season, do you do you make it a point to watch the other films that are basically now your competition, or have you already seen them? Oh yeah. Does it become weirder to watch him now knowing you're like, well, I like that movie, but also it might beat me. (laughs) I mean, I'm such an animation, you know, super fan maniac that I would sort of watch anything anyway. Um, And it's just, and it's like inspiring too. You know, it's like, it's like, sure. We're, you know, in a competition for a trophy (laughs) that is ultimately, um, you know, sort of 
nice, but not sort of necessary. But um, but it's it's just really cool to watch. Like I, I just I I I think all those other movies are really great, and I'm we're I'm really sort of like proud to be a member of this class because they're all original movies, and it's you know a lot of them are are really you know different. Like I really love Flea, and and you know all the all the movies are really good. I mean, yeah, you can't really compare too many of them. So it's, it, I guess that also helps. Like you don't feel like anyone's in the same lane where, I mean, I guess like, I guess Disney has their own problem with like, we have too many films, but <laughs> that's not your problem. You get to be like, I'm my own thing. And like between us and Flea, like we really got like two very different corners of the internet. Whereas like, you know, I, I, I mean, I guess like Encanto and, and Raya are doing the same thing just for different you know, in a different way. But I feel like if you were a kid, you would you would get that those were Disney movies. Whereas, sure, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, your brain would explode watching this in a good. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, our 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 mission statement was how can we get things to be as sort of uh, different as humanly possible, and how can we use all this freedom that we have as Sony in in every single conceivable way, and and it was really really wonderful to be able to do that. Yeah, we have the power. Why not use and abuse it? Well, we have it. Yeah. Because, <laughs> um, because, yeah, we we got away with stuff in this movie, like having a new art style and having a queer protagonist and stuff that I, I we just couldn't get away with at any other studio. Yeah, I mean that's part of the the fun of you know we've got a budget as opposed to you know like when you're when you're conceiving it, you don't necessarily know what that's going to be. There's there's more of yeah. a God, I hope we can do this, or are we all just going to draw this on napkins and uh, <laughs> with our phones? That totally is a feeling where you're sort of trying to figure out if 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 you can pull off all these things, you know, and yeah. if you're going to have the money and the resources and all that stuff. It's 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 difficult. Yeah, I mean, there's no there's no way of knowing, and like it's probably easier to pull the plug on you guys. Also, a lot easier because there's no you know, salaries are different. It's not, oh, well, we've got Benny to Cumberbatch here and he flew out and we've been putting <laughs> him up for a month. It's, no, we'll, we'll just tell them that we don't want their voice anymore. They can stay in their homes where they were <laughs> once it's, they came. It's true. There was a very active question in terms of like whether or not this would be um, made or not. You know what I mean? Just because it, it, it's not tied to an IP. So, um, so it was really like, you know, one of the, things about having Chris Miller and Phil Lord come on is that they convinced the studio to make it. <laughs> um, and, and it was, and I'm forever grateful. How do you get them involved? You know, cause they've got their own shit going on They're They're, they're like, you know, we've, <laughs> we're kind of handling like a, like Spider-Man over here. Yeah. And, uh, like superheroes. And like, you know, there's a giant like sci-fi movie we might be making. Like, you know, we got Ryan Gosling on hold. So what do you want, Mike? <laughs> I mean, I would say what they do is inadvisable. Yeah. <laughs> like they they take on so many things at once. Like I, I was shocked that they agreed to produce our movie because I was like, oh, they're so busy. They're never going right. to do this. Um, but they they did it. And they were, you know, for a, for a long time, they were sort of um, it was like they were our cool art uncles and yeah. they're like cool Spider-Verse convertible. And they would be like, hey, boys, what's up? Yeah. <laughs> what, and we'd be like, like saying. Yeah. Would you come to a screening, you know, uh, uncles? And then it'd be like, maybe next time, you know. But yeah. as soon as as soon as Spider-Verse was over, they were really locked in in a really great way and and, and sort of really helped us level it up. Oh, yeah, because you want, you, you know, you, you're like, they're definitely doing a thing that I think 
I want to do with my own style. But like, if they think it's going well, I feel like I'm on the right path. So like, yeah, totally. You know, put, you know, if you just wait a minute, I would really like to show you what we're up to. I know Ryan Gosling is very cool, but like, <laughs> he's he's busy too. You guys can like figure it out. They re- yeah, we it was like we were in a one door and Ryan Gosling was in another, and then they shut the door and Gosling walked in with us. He's just knocking. Um, he's like, hey, hey, girl, can I <laughs> can I can I talk about my thing? It costs a lot of money. <laughs> no, you will wait. Um. Miles, how are you? Can you hear us? You good? Maybe not. Oh no. There's some terrible lag on his end, so we'll we'll figure that out in a minute. But um here, Miles, text me what you want me to ask. Um, we'll do it <laughs> real old school. Um, and then Steve can tear his hair out fixing this in the editing room because, you know, why make his life easy? <laughs> That's what I get for being in charge. I get to tell other people what to do. And then it happens. I, I, mean, hey. hey. oh, I can hear him. We can hear him. We're getting oh, in wait. Now. oh, did it work? There we Miles, go. he's back, baby. What did what now, now I gotta oh. know what you did wrong Hold so on. we can make fun of you? Oh, oh no. This all okay. stays this all stays in. Okay. It it's <laughs> actually not as bad now that my video is off. There we go. It all stays oh, great. in. I, I think we can do this. There we go. Here, feel free to ask some questions. Okay. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Good. How are you, man? <laughs> None of this. Great. great. <laughs> um, gosh, I don't even know where to begin. I'm a huge fan of the movie, by the way. So congratulations on just what an amazing achievement it is. Oh, thank you so um, much. It's, that, that means a lot. Absolutely. Um, it's also very funny hearing you talk because I just hear Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Um, well, I guess that would be a, a good point for me is that um it's obviously a film that's sort of built around um families and sort of you know family experiences family references i love the credit sequence where all the uh creators have sort of the family photos in there oh yeah um how much of um just for you personally how much were any of the characters based on you or your family oh hugely massively um the dad is literally my father um, the last time I went home, my dad brought in a garbage bag full of acorns and was like, uh, honey, cook the poison out of these. And then he, my mom's like, what are you talking? You want me to cook the poison out of acorns? And he's like, he's like, I read about it. That, this is how the uh, Native Americans used to eat. So, so we're going to eat acorns for dinner. <laughs> my mom was like, what are you saying? Um, so he is that guy. He's, he's sort of this nature loving um, technophobe guy. Um, and my mom is like, uh, is really a wonderful and sweet, but like, if you get in her way between like, you know, if, if you try to like, say your kid can't be in, you know, Mr. Frederick's third grade class and Mr. Frederick is the best teacher in third grade class. She will like come at you like a battering ram. <laughs> um, so, um, so it's like, uh, so that is based on me. And then also Aaron himself was sort of, I didn't used to call, I was, uh, my, my co-writer and co-director Jeff was the one who was obsessed with dinosaurs growing up, but I was obsessed with um, uh, video games and I would call uh, Electronics Boutique like four times a day, like obsessive compulsively like Aaron. And I'd be like, hi, do you want to talk to me about Battle Arena to Shinden? And they're like, kid, you called 
four times called four times in an hour and i'm like sorry i thought it was as someone who worked at an EB Games, I would have hated you. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you're trying to do a job, and some kid's, like, calling you about, No, 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 you no, know, no, don't, don't get me wrong. Escape. I was not trying to do a job. I was trying to make a quick buck and, like, play video games. I, I just didn't want to deal with you. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's amazing. Also, I don't know if your dad sounds like Danny McBride or if you just do a really good Danny McBride impression, but... <laughs> No, but uh, uh, my dad sounds like Danny McBride, and I've also heard hundreds of hours of Danny McBride's voice. So uh, sure, it's, it's molded, it's melded into my soul at this point. How do, how do you make sure your family isn't like mad at you when you involve like aspects of your family? You know, like, obviously um, they probably know like, oh, he's the art kid. He's going to do like weird stuff and we shouldn't take it personally. <laughs> but when you know you're mining real life and they're going to know it's something that's real life, how do you how do you make sure it doesn't go you know, too far because obviously like with your family, you can be as, as mean as you want because it's family. Yeah, sure. But like a billion people are going to see this joke and you don't, you know, mom or dad's gonna go, I don't want people to think that Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, it's so funny because my dad is, is a really lovely man in many ways. And he, he, he taught me a lot. And, but I will say he has like the emotional, intelligent or sort of like the emotional awareness of like a lizard or something <laughs> like he he does he never really he's 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 like he, he's very out of touch with his emotions i guess is, yeah. is, is is the nice way to say it but um i will say and he, he loves the version of the movie that came out but there was an early version that he was kind of upset by um yeah. because katie said and it was so interesting because i was like that penetrated your fortress like i i'm so shocked but um the monster yeah but um but he he at one point katie said she's like i hate you dad and that sort of thing and he was like he kind of was hurt by that but you know but it's actually interesting because it made the movie better um because as we were making you know the next version it was like well how do you be as how how do we be as empathetic to the dad as we are to the daughter um and and i think that that was something that we you know, that's easy to say and hard to do. Um, but um, but over the course of a lot of different variations and versions and stuff, we sort of we we sort of lifted Rick up and 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 made the audience like see where he's coming from more and it made the movie a lot better. The uh the films within the film. How do you how, where do where do you decide what's you know what's 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 gonna fit for the movie? Because I'm sure you can go in like some weird fun directions, but someone has to go. <laughs> you know children are going to watch this right <laughs> her, her showgirls parody is not quite going to fly <laughs> yeah no we we actually have a lot there is a lot on the cutting room floor of like you know fun silly videos that katie made and some of which were like were kind of like violent in that way where you know characters are like spewing ketchup all over the place or projectile vomiting or something for taking um, <laughs> but um but but it's it's sort of um it ends up being sort of like whatever whatever works for the story and it was like the the dog cop one worked because it featured the you know it featured Monchi and Monchi's face scrambled the robots so we kind of worked backwards um and it was like oh if his face is in these vi- movies and then you could also get you know on a deeper level you can get across this thing where it's like sarge is like code for dad and and mm. you know you could you could sort of say all these things without saying them um so it, it, it is really like you know i would say the first couple drafts are these sort of comedic free-for-all 
um, uh, that, that, that where we're just swinging at every pitch at like as hard as we can. <laughs> um, and, and I, I think the things that end up connecting, you know, um, or the things that sort of end up like, um, being emotionally true or resonant, you know? Um, so, so it's like the fact that we can use sort of the dog cop thing as a way to talk about, um, way to talk about her dad and Sarge and that sort of thing meant that that stuck versus some other things like, um, you know, Barfy the puppet, uh, did not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's funny, like there, so, for those of you who, who didn't haven't seen the interview or see on my my social media, I got a uh, picture from the movie that was sort of sent out to CCN members. And there's a bunch of movies like VHSs for the film school that's going on in the family. But if you look like the dog is holding white God and like the list of films are <laughs> Desert Heat and Eraserhead, Chungking Express, Audition, I Saw the Devil, Pan's Labyrinth. Like it is it is true that like there's there's a lot going on here. And in a, in a weird way, I feel like you're almost like daring a younger viewer to be like, I wonder what these are. <laughs> well, there's a, there's a couple things. One is, you know, I always just loved, you know, you're wearing a Simpsons shirt that people can't see it at home, but I love the Simpsons growing up and the Simpsons <laughs> never, never played to kids. No. They were like, we're going to use big words we're going to talk about themes that you don't understand, you know, whatever, because this is mostly we're trying to make ourselves laugh and we're trying to make a show for adults. And if kids like it, great. Um, and sort of that was a little bit of the philosophy of the movie, even though it was sort of like a, we knew it was like an all ages thing where we're like, we're just not going to talk down to kids. But at the same time, also the, the nice thing about those movie parodies is we often added them in so late nobody was really paying that much of attention or thinking that hard <laughs> about like, wait a minute, what is uh, Ali fears eats the soul about, you know, or like whatever the, you know, whatever these movies are like, like, wait, wait, there's a taxi driver poster in the background. Let me think about that. Like quick, look over there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so luckily, um, luckily it wasn't, it wasn't scrutinized too much. Cause in these movies, like everything is scrutinized. Oh yeah. And and it's that that was one of the benefits of having so much writing on the screen is like people just get tired. They're like that's fine. I don't know. Are there any swear words in it? Yeah. <laughs> like this isn't like you're doing the Disney thing. Are there penises here? Do we have to worry about that? Like, no. Yeah, exactly. There's, I swear no penises, I guarantee. Yeah. But that's the funny thing you're right cuz you know as a kid, I didn't know who Pablo Neruda was, but I like Exactly. Yeah. And it's like Pablo Neruda says laughter is the language of the soul. I'm aware of the work of Pablo Neruda. You don't know what. Yeah, no, and you end up like you're. As a kid, I remember listening to Tito Puente, and I'm like, oh, this is pretty cool, you know, just because you know you rub the school of Tito, and and like I wanted to know what that joke was. Yeah, exactly. There's so many jokes like that, and that's that's what this film is. I think for so many people, it's going to be what you know brings them in to go like oh she's a she's a film major that's a thing you can yeah. do like i i mean i was a grown-ass college student didn't know that was a thing <laughs> i just did it because there was less math and science and i'm dumb yeah that's what i'm talking about <laughs> yeah some of us are just stupid and we fall into this shit <laughs> uh, well speaking, Miles, speaking as somebody who actually was a film student uh, I felt very seen by. Oh, by good. <laughs> and uh, I, I actually wanted to follow up on that because um, you mentioned Pan's Labyrinth. I saw there was this whole thing on Twitter where uh, Guillermo del Toro was sort of uh, going on about how much he loved the film and how much oh it sort of God. spoke to him. It was a dream. Um, <laughs> I, I can only imagine. And I was curious because myself and I'm only, you know, 
the lowest rung there is of aspiring filmmaker. But have you had other instances where um, sort of film people of, you know, that you wouldn't even expect have sort of come out of the woodworks to talk about sort of how the film connected with them in that aspect? Um, yeah, I mean, it, I mean, th- that that part of it has been really, truly wild, where uh, like Bong Joon-ho put it on his top films of the year in this Korean magazine. And I'm like, what? <laughs> um, I'm like, Bong Joon-ho, call me, bud. Let's yeah. let's hang out. Um, you, me, your interpreter, like, you know, it'll be a party. Um, uh, and and it's just like, it's so exciting. And I think, you know, I, just, I do think that one of the things the movie and Guillermo del Toro, that was like so wild. And we were on a Zoom and he was just like, eating chicken and talking to us about, you know, things he noticed in the film. And I was like, wow, what is happening? Am I dreaming? Um, and, uh, and he, he, you know, and, and so, so that was really cool. And, and there's been some other people like um, Sean Hader who made Coda really liked our movie. And it's, it sort of makes sense because our movies are like wildly similar in a lot of ways um, where it's like girl leaving college, new connections with family. Um, and uh, so, so it's, it's, that has been really exciting. And I think it's just because, you know, we're really huge film nerds and film lovers. And, and I think people can kind of sniff that out and, and, and dig it, you know, and, and also, you know, I think just the people, everyone who worked on the movie kind of has, you know, your story, Miles, you know, we're all like these film student kids who are, who are like going off and, and trying to, trying to take this big risk in our lives. Um, and it's scary. And your family is like, you know tries to be supportive but is always worried because they're like i don't know if this will work um so um so it was something that everyone could it was able to tap into yeah they just they just want to know like do we have to feed him still no yeah (laughs) all right we're we're making we're making progress yeah exactly on the on the flip side like is there anyone who if they didn't like it you'd be like i'm fine with that because obviously it'd be crushing if you're just like oh fuck nolan hated the movie like (laughs) <laughs> he knows better than me. He's probably right. But like, aside from like, oh, Harvey Weinstein hated it. Good. I don't want you to like it. Like, is there a way where you're just like, I t- I'll take it as a compliment in a weird way? I mean, I, I will say I, I really, I really honor people's um, whatever their takeaway, their gut takeaway is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm never anyone to sort of like argue with somebody if they liked a movie and I didn't or hated a movie and I didn't because I'm like, well, hey, we had different experiences. Yeah. Um, you know, because because it's like ultimately, if somebody's like, yeah, I don't know, I didn't like the characters, it didn't make me laugh, I didn't have fun watching it. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know. I guess yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, I've wasted um, your time, sir. <laughs> but I, I was actually, in a, I was thinking about it recently, and I was like, I love you know Miyazaki and Takahata and all those Studio Ghibli guys, but I do have the sneaking suspicion that if they saw this, they would be like, this is an insult to cinema. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Yeah, I, I could just see that conversation. Like it's it's like Vanity Fair doing something for the next Miyazaki. He's like, it is uh, it is simple, and uh, I felt it is too sad. frenetic. Like, yeah, I felt sad for the future of cinema or something like that. <laughs> the animated version of every time they asked Scorsese about Superman movies, like just don't do it. He doesn't like them. It's fine. <laughs> he's not wrong. He's not right. He has an opinion. He's also like an eighty year old man. Let him have his opinion. Like, yeah. No. Exactly. Exactly. I'm like, I have the same thing. It's like, whatever opinion anyone has is fine by me. Like, yeah, if, like you, as long, if you like, love it, great. If you don't, I understand. I, I've long had the argument of like, your opinion is never wrong. You just yeah, have to sure, know totally. your opinion. Like when, it, when people proclaim it's fact, like my, my argument used to be, 
you can say that White Chicks is the best movie ever made. I will, you know, <laughs> laugh at you. But sure, if it, it works, congratulations. But if you tell me it won seven Academy Awards, I can I can back that up with the fact that it didn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're, you're, you're Now you've gotten into the realm of fantasy. But if you just love something, go with it. Like, like that's that's what everyone sets out to do. Like, even yeah. like, like an Uva Bowl, who's like arguably bad for cinema, is like, doesn't set out to make a bad movie, like has these dreams of connecting and just whether you do or, or don't, it's- Well, uh, it, I, I will say I've never met a more forgiving group of people than filmmakers because yeah. it's so hard. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? It's so, 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 so hard to make anything period that if it's good, you're like, oh my God, thank God. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> because you're so like tired and spent and it, it takes so much effort. I mean, so it's, it's like basically what, impossible basically to make a good movie. Yeah, no. So when I see a movie that doesn't work, I'm like, oh man, oh, well, you know, you'll get it next time. Like it, it's, it, it, you're like, oh, maybe this and that could have gone better or whatever. But, but it, it, it does kind of make you like um, a little bit Pollyanna-ish. I just have heard like, you know, even like I've sort of been lucky enough to be in rooms with filmmakers like, you know, Chris and Phil all the time or just, you know, other people. And they're really, they're like way nicer than film critics, yeah. you know, in terms of, in terms of their opinions about other films. Cause, cause we all know how hard it is to make one. Also, it's just, I think on, on our end and I've, I've changed a lot over the years, but at the beginning you want to, you want to like make a, like a, like a scene almost when you, when you love something or when you don't, yeah. like, because there isn't, there, you get, bored pretty easily being like it yeah. was fine or like yeah sure it worked for me so like it's, it's just more entertaining because i remember i definitely wrote that i would have rather been waterboarded than watch night at the museum 2 again and like that's not true <laughs> like i didn't like it but like that's it's it's whatever yeah you know, there's there's some i think a lot of times it's like performance art in a way not like a like an armin white who's just doing his own wild thing where you're just like <laughs> You thought my movie was about socialism? How? <laughs> but okay, great. Yeah. Yes. Well, in, you, but you know, you know what the thing, the th- you know, the thing I've noticed is, is that people really sniff out and disdain cynicism, yeah. um, you know, in film. So it, it's, it's sort of like, I, that was something that we were really conscious of. And I'm really conscious of is like the movie, our movie, it, you could say a lot of things about our movie, but it is cynicism free. Totally. You know, it was it was not made in a, a lab to um, create, you know, to 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 make certain people happy. It was this weird idiosyncratic vision, you know, that that luckily has happened to connect with people. But um, but but I think I do think that's when people get that's when I get mad as a moviegoer, even though I'm really forgiving, is if something feels like it, it was sort of made um dishonestly yeah i mean yeah we all we all immediately have a movie in our head that we're thinking of it's like yes that's uh <laughs> not uh i won't make you say yours because that'll right <laughs> in and say what yours is uh, <laughs> i guess i bet you uh, miles which what's what is one of yours i wonder if i'm thinking of the same one for you oh god i mean i i'm, I'm trying not to get cynicism confused with nihilism well that's a very different because like there have been some Paul Schrader movies, for example, that have really tested me. Um, <laughs> I mean, but, but at the same time, I believe that he believes in what he's putting out there. Yeah, you know, like, so I don't but know. Like, but like, for example, you hate Eraserhead, but you don't begrudge other people liking it. No, exactly. Like, yeah, like Eraserhead is a movie that like I don't know that I've ever been more miserable in my life than when I was watching. <laughs> 
question yet. <laughs> but, but I have nothing but respect for David Lynch as a filmmaker. Totally, because- yeah. I have one. I have ones like that. Totally. Or like, you know, it's like, you know what I think would be the example for me, and it's not that it's necessarily the worst movie, but like the original cut of Justice League, where it's like this was made basically in a lab to please people that aren't coming to the movie like who are you going for and then obviously the like other things behind the scenes but it's like what you see with the oscars now or what you see with um with baseball now like you're trying to find an audience that isn't there like the people who want to watch this will come to you you don't have to look for them but like who's suddenly gonna watch a baseball game because it's three minutes shorter (laughs) yeah i do i do think you really get in trouble when you imagine uh, a fake audience in your head and you're yeah. trying to impress them versus like, just show it to real people. Yeah. Do real people like it? They will tell you quickly if they like it or don't. Yeah, well, that's, that's what studio notes are. Like, what's this imaginary audience that we would love to get? Like, you know, we want yeah. males 18 to 34. But like, but who is that? Like, there's a, like, I can tell you some males 18 to 34 who don't want to watch this movie and like, we're yeah, never sure. going to get them. And then there's other ones who like, want it as weird and idiosyncratic as possible. So every time you tinker yeah. with it, you drive them away. So it, is, it does take like, and you, like you were saying in the interview in here, like having Phil and Chris to be able to be like, we'll vouch for this. Don't worry. Remember how yeah. we get money for you guys? Like, trust him. He's fine. To yeah, no, that's, that, that's, that's very helpful because, you know, we, we, we really did all these wild things that you're not supposed to do, um, you know, and sort of like, you know, uh, uh, people, you know, because it was really cool because we got the Spider Verse team yeah. who were like fresh off the greatest animated movie in you know a, a decade or whatever, you know, and they were like all pumped up, and it was like sort of inheriting the '95 Bulls, and they were like, "What do you want us to do next?" And I'm like, "Whoa, really? You're asking me?" <laughs> um, you know, and they were like, "We'll make software. We'll do whatever we got to do." And I remember the first time he saw our paintings, he was like, oh, this is this will be harder than Spider-Verse. I'm like, oh, really? Right. Um, <laughs> and I don't know if it ended up being as hard as Spider-Verse, but it but but they did have to, you know, they made the software to make, you know, watercolor light. And they made the software that that has, you know, like where where the it audio ge- it generates like a line tool around it. But then you have to tweak it in every single frame. Like so. So it was like um. It, it, you know, because and and they never would have let me do that if no. if if sort of we didn't have if one we didn't test it and then two we didn't have you know Chris and Phil sort of blessing it um, and also the the success of Spider Verse really helped us too because we were able to point to that. I actually bought like 30 tickets to Spider Verse. Just to get it up for yourself. Yeah, just, you know, just to, just to kick it up a notch a little. Yeah, like so we can say, like, look, people love this stuff. Yeah. Mike Randa, he gets Microsoft Word and he gets Paint. Those are the only tools we're giving him. And you're like, no, no, no what's the movie made? It's, it's Phil and Chris. It's really their movie. I'm just here for the ride. Just come on. <laughs> yeah, um, they gave me a they gave me a bitmap editor and I I went to town. I can do this. Um, here, Miles, you can get the the final word with Mike. Um. So yeah. So about Phil and Chris, actually, because mm-hmm. that was one of the first things I thought when sort of the trailers and then eventually the film was how not just visually similar in terms of like the animation techniques that were used, but also they've sort of cultivated kind of a very specific style of humor mm-hmm. um, sort of throughout their careers. And um, even though you and, uh, is it Jeff? Uh, yeah, Jeff Rowe. Uh, uh, wrote this together. 
there's still their thumbprint is on there here and there. And I was curious, did they have a lot of input in the writing process or was that something that just sort of naturally happened where it sort of felt like it could be of a piece of their work? Sure. I mean, I think, I think it was, it's, it's sort of, um, I would say the, the biggest Venn diagram is just in our taste Mm -hmm. because like the movie, I think the reason why they wanted to executive produce or they wanted to produce the movie in the first place was because they, it made them laugh and we have sort of similar senses of humor. So it's like the baseline movie. I think if you saw it before they touched it, you'd be like, Oh, this, this, I, under, I, I can totally understand why those guys would love this movie. Yeah. Um, but I will say once they joined, it was really a joy and like a, a, a sort of a trip to film school to sort of see how they plus the movie, you know, hmm. and 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 there were there were tons of places where they would sort of add, you know, they were like pitching, adding something where I would be like, oh, we don't need anything here, I don't think, you know, and they're like, just try it, you know, hmm. and then it would make the movie better. And you're like, whoa. Um, so so they're they, I would say that they're like um, editing process and stuff, you know, uh, really sort of bumped up the movie. Um, in terms of like quality and stuff. And, and I do think in, in that way, we collaborated with them a lot closer, like in the editing process. So, um, so even though the script was just written by us without them, they did sort of collaborate in the edit process a lot and, and sort of ended up sprinkling a lot of magic in, Um, you know, the, the rhombus of infinite subjugation is Phil. Uh, (laughs) um, The, uh, the uh, Robertson number two screwdriver is Chris. Um, so there, there, there's definitely like things that they've, they've pitched in the room that we all got excited about and tossed it in, but, but it is like wildly collaborative. It's, you know, even though I I really wish some, at some point I could show people how many people worked on every shot where it's like, this person wrote the joke and this person punched it up. And then this storyboard artist added this extra part. And then, the lighting person did this and you know, whatever uh, there's a whole, whole process of, of everyone plussing it. Um, but they were definitely huge, huge in that. Except when you go in for the next project and you're like, no, they were producers in name only. This was all me. (laughs) (laughs) Hey man, I'd work with them again. Uh, they, you know, they really, wait, they're available. No, no, no. We're, we're a threesome. It needs to be us. (laughs) Oh, the number two high. And no, we don't need them. Well, and it's, and it's cool because, you know, I just learned so much, you know, it's like, I I feel like I'll always have that stuff with me sort of no matter where I go. Oh yeah. Well, uh, thank you so much for this. You've been uh, so generous with your time and our nonsense. So (laughs) I love it. I love it. I love you guys. I, uh, anyone who hasn't seen the movie, it's on Netflix. There's physical copies you can own like that, which I love like that. Not a lot of Netflix movies come out on Blu-ray. I'm so, I'm so, I feel so lucky that we got that out. It's basically the Criterion Collection ones and you guys. (laughs) We made our own fake Criterion Collection. (laughs) I mean, listen, I'm keeping on brand. (laughs) Uh, But, but congratulations again. And I, I can't wait for the next thing just because an original voice is, you know, there's a value there that we, we don't, we don't get, even if it is you know, a property next time or something like that. Like <laughs> who doesn't want to see someone's take on something if it's an original take? You know, everyone's yeah. everyone's on Batman right now, but everyone's <laughs> talking about largely how it's a different take as opposed to like, oh, we yeah. got the same thing over and over again. 
And yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, thank you. And I promise that no matter what I do, it won't be a, an IP. Yeah. Um, and it'll be uh, wild and hopefully will make this movie look tame in comparison. So uh, thank, thank you for having me on. It's, it's oh, a my real God. dream. Ah, Love thank it. you so much. Bye, guys. Well, all right. Thank you very much. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe and to visit awardsradar.com for the best in awards and entertainment content.